0: welcome to the deep dive emerald city hockey's seattle kraken podcast hey everybody welcome back to the
1: deep dive emerald city Hockey seattle kraken podcast rj we've got a good one this week we're going to be talking about kind of like a, the state of the kraken roster in light of the Willie Nylander extension in Toronto, because, you know, he was kind of one of the names we had circled for the crack in this upcoming offseason. We've got to talk about the the goalie controversy brewing in Seattle, RJ, as Joey Decor just continues to, you know, not allow goals, which is apparently a pretty good thing to do if you're a goaltender. We've got all of the news and notes from this past week, including a couple roster things going on, so maybe some tweaks to the lineup. And, of course, Oliver Bjorkstrand being an all-star, And then our Patreon announcement for this upcoming month as well. But of course, RJ, we've got to start off the podcast thanking Queen Anne Beer Hall for being the lovely sponsor. I know last week we talked about the fact that that's where all the Kraken players went to celebrate the Winter Classic, watch the UW game. I mean, that's still like the best way we could ever promote this place, right? It's where the players drink. Like, I don't know how you you go up from there, RJ.
0: You really can't. And and you know it's gonna be awesome today, of course, with UW playing in the college football national championship. I mean, yeah. congrats to them, right? I mean, getting into that game and uh, you never know who you're gonna see watching a big game there at Queen Anne Beer Hall. That's all I'm gonna say.
1: Definitely, definitely, and try the pretzel, of course. Um, I can't wait for the Detroit style pizzas, RJ. Win, win. I know.
0: I know they're working on it. I've seen the pizza oven still and I know they're there.
1: I I'm not scheduling another trip up to Seattle until they're on the menu and available. I'll let them know. Throwing down that gauntlet now. Um, Real quick, just for everybody, our our Patreon schedule this month, we have it set. We're going to be posting it around social media in just a little bit. On the the January 18th against the Edmonton Oilers, that is going to be our live game commentary this month. It's a six o'clock start Pacific Uh, on the 23rd. Uh, At seven because all these uh, otherwise start at seven on the 23rd, RJ will be hosting his armchair GM stream where you can kind of talk about some stuff. I know we're going to get into the state of the roster a little bit later on in this podcast, but certainly when it comes to, you know, now with Nylander off the block, RJ, who are going to be some of the top free agent targets for the crack in this upcoming offseason. Find out on the 23rd, joining RJ on his armchair GM stream. And then on the 29th, we'll have our prospect live chat where I'll be going over video and how all the prospects did at the World Juniors, as well as how they've done since they've joined uh, their regular teams back, whether it's in the Canadian Hockey League or around the world. So that's our awesome Patreon schedule. Appreciate everybody who's Patreon. And then, of course, every usually friday but once a week for sure we have the red glare podcast as as normal so everybody can go check that out if you're watching on youtube you can check out the link in the description below as for news and notes rj number one big news we we, we beat the deep dive curse because we stalled just talking long enough you and i beforehand before we started recording <laughs> Riker evans is back
0: yes he is the kraken called up Riker evans this morning according to the nhl media site and uh this is something we kind of predicted a little bit like look after jacob magna was waived and claimed by the chicago blackhawks uh the Kraken were down to six defensemen on the roster and that's enough for games but of course you kind of want to spare as you head out for a long road trip and so i was curious who the call up might be because Riker Evans, if you call him up, you kind of want to play him, right? Mm -hmm. And that's my big question with this call-up is just how much he is going to rotate into the lineup because I feel like it would be a waste to just call him up as as purely an extra and not have him get into the lineup over this road trip. So that's the big question, I think, is what – does this look like? Is it kind of rotating through for maybe a Justin Schultz like we saw in the past? Um, Is he just going to be there as an extra? I think that's probably the least likely scenario. What do you think about the timing of this call up and what we're going to see from Evans while he's up here?
1: Yeah, so I'm with you, right? You're you're embarking on your longest road trip of the season. You want to have somebody available to you, right, because it's not going to be as easy as just calling somebody up on a, what, two, two two-and-a-half-hour plane ride from Coachella Valley. You want to be able to have them available should you need them at a moment's notice. So you got to have somebody, uh, you know, you look at who they have in Coachella Valley that has NHL experience, which is something you'd want as you're continuing to, you know, Find yourself in this really tough battle for a wild card spot. Riker Evans has NHL experience. He's also waivers exempt, so you don't have to worry about sending him back down post road trip if you wanted to. He makes the most sense. I'm with you. It doesn't make a ton of sense to call him up and just sit him. However, I think they're going to continue rolling with the lineup that they've had now since that Flyers game. And it's going to be basically whenever somebody has a bad game, they'll be sat for Riker Evans. I don't think Riker Evans gets in there right away. I think it's going to be one of those, like, you know, once we see, like, a rough performance from whether it's Dumoulin, Schultz, somebody else, that's, I think, when Riker Evans comes in. And then it's just until Riker Evans has a bad game, right? I think they're just going to keep doing that kind of back and forth, RJ, because... Generally speaking, Dave Haxtall, once he's shown us something, that's that's it. Right. He's shown us what he's going to do. And that's what he did the last time Riker Evans was up.
0: Right. I mean, do you think this is good for a blue line or I guess like for a forward group last year? Right. Where, you know, you have somebody looking over your shoulder, I guess that if you have a bad game, you, you might be sitting for a bit. It seemed to work in the past.
1: I think it does. Right. I mean, it puts that pressure on you to perform each and every night. You can't coast. Right. And and if you're the Kraken right now, you you dug yourself a pretty big hole at the beginning of the year. You can't afford to coast through games. You can't afford um, to have somebody, you know, play bad and have that potentially spiral into a slump. So if they need that motivation or you need to kind of get them out of the lineup, if you start feeling like things are going a, a bad way for them, I think this is the way to do it. I mean, look, they're professional athletes. That's the reality of the job. I mean, we talk about this with goaltenders all the time. We, this was the, the situation with the goaltenders in training camp, right? There was going to be one backup spot behind Philip Grubauer. It was down to Drieger and Joey to battle out for it. Joey won that battle. I think based on how he's played for the Kraken this year, he'd say that that worked out pretty well for them. So I'm I'm I, I'm kind of on board
0: when you have competition amongst teammates on rosters. Yeah, I do think it, I agree. I think it brings out the best in the players. And I, I think the Kraken have done a really good job of making sure there is that competition at just about every position group. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, like most teams can't always do that. Uh, and the Kraken have found a way to do that. And now even with the forwards yep. for a while, with all the injuries, it's just, okay, if you're healthy and, you know, could come up, you're, you're in, but it seems like that's no longer the case. Cause another bit of news here, we've got Jaden Schwartz really ramping up for a return. Uh, and. Last practice, so a couple days ago, was kind of the big milestone there. He took another progression, and that was that he was actually taking line rushes uh, with the team. And so that's kind of the last step, usually, before players ready to return to game action. And personally, I would not be surprised at all to see him play uh, against Buffalo um, tomorrow. I, I think that's probably the game that was being targeted after a lot of time off. Of course, Hackstall won't tip his hand. We don't have any kind of official knowledge. But you look at the line rushes, and it begs the question of, okay, what happens to the lineup when Jaden Schwartz returns to the lineup? And so uh, looking at it here, Paxtol, at least for practice line rushes, kept the first line, the Beneers line intact, Tatar, Beneers, Everly. And he's got Jaden Schwartz playing on that you know, second line with Alex Wenberg and Brandon Tanev. And so Tolvin and Bjorkstrand, of course, that stays together. It has to. Mm-hmm. You can't mess with that line. But then you have a very interesting-looking fourth line, if you want to call it that Andre Burakovsky, Ty car and Jared McCann. Uh, (laughs) I don't think we can fairly call that a fourth line. I mean, it it certainly doesn't look like one. This is Dylan. Is this the closest the Kraken have come to just having four second lines?
1: Yes. I mean, that's it. If there ever was a time to say that they've reached that level, this is the time to say that. Right. I mean, this is what everybody's going to get 15 minutes. Right. Like just across the board. Like, I, I don't know how else you're supposed to do it. Right.
0: Yeah, maybe 17 for the Gord line. I, I think that's the one that would stick above the rest. I mean, if you're going to have a, a line that plays like a fourth line minutes-wise, I guess you'd go the Wenberg line, right? Yeah, with Schwartz coming back from injury. Tanev, I think, you know, more properly a fourth line, or even though he's played better than that this season. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it looks like, but it'll be interesting to see too with, I mean, is this the next step up for Andre Burakovsky? Because he hasn't played more than 11 minutes in a game since returning from injury. And I know you want to be careful easing him mm-hmm. back, but like, I don't know how you keep that line under 11 minutes as a, as a fourth line and do that to Burakovsky and McCann.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're going to get special teams time, right? Like they're going to be featured on the power play, both of those two guys. So that's going to get the minutes there. I'm with you. I think it's one of those, you ease them back in. I also think, probably because they're going to have to try to figure out over a game or two who's really going to be the center for that line is it going to be jared mccann is it going to be ty cartier right like that's an aspect that i could see also kind of causing that line to maybe have a couple minutes less is just because if they if they want to stick ty cartier down the middle you might need to give him a game or two to really adjust to doing that at the nhl level and i could see that maybe you know limiting that line in certain situations but otherwise yes i think you would deploy the wenberg line more defensively you'd deploy that line more offensively and then you just kind of let the games dictate how often you're in those two situations and you go from there maybe
0: yeah i guess so i mean karche because he's had the last few games as a center and i think he's adapted pretty well to that but mccann can certainly play center too so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that but also one thing i love about this is You want a deep lineup, I think, like this. You want it to be deployed this way when you're on the road, Mm -hmm. because the deeper you can be, the more matchup proof you can be. Yes. Because other teams have the last change and you can't, you know, kind of get on top of them with a stacked line. I mean, if you are an opposing team and you're trying to take your top line and catch the Kraken out there with a weak forward line, uh, who do you go with? Who do you target? You, you really can't. There's nobody you can target as kind of a weak line. I think that works especially well on the road. So I like seeing this right uh, before a road trip.
1: Right. I mean, again, the, the line you would circle as maybe being the weakest would be the Wenberg line. But really, it's also arguably the most solid defensively. Right. Right. That's the thing.
0: They're going to shut you down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're thinking weakest in terms of like what they could do to you. But really, they're they're not going to allow your star players to get going either. So it's one of those things where, yeah, it's it's a matchup nightmare. It should help the guys, too, as you are on a long road trip. Those things can be a grind. It can be tough on the body, all that kind of stuff. You don't get a ton of time. Got some back to backs in there to, you know, to heal up. So um i think this will also help out with that aspect of it all too certainly going to be interesting i mean the kraken have kind of get, yeah. been getting by on the depth We'll, you know this this is a lineup that certainly
0: you know hopes that continues <laughs> yeah and then of course there's Kylo Yamamoto. Coming out of the lineup, if this is what they choose yeah. to go with, you know he's he's playing great. He's you know like top six of the team in goals. You know there's nothing he's doing wrong. This feels kind of like we're starting to get back to last season, right, where there's okay. going to be a depth forward who's playing well enough to stay in most lineups, but because of all the talent there, you can't have him in. I mean, Dylan, does this come down to just that he can't play center?
1: It it does feel that way, which is then also why it's a little weird that they're not going with McCann down the middle for that line and kind of benching Ty Cartier because when this first seemed like an option and especially after last game where it looked like Yamamoto and Burakovsky were developing some chemistry in the post-game chat, you know, I had said Cartier, I think for me, would be the person that I would sit first and a lot of chat also kind of agreed with that. And then the option was, well, who do you have center that line? Well, McCann can center that line. And so I do think it's a little odd that they really don't seem to want to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I understand not wanting to do that. Personally, I would I would go with the way that they're they're doing it. Cause I, I don't want McCann to have to make that adjustment again to playing center when I I just don't see him there long term. I mean, this is one of you know your best goal scorer. I I just want to stick with him at the wing because that's where I see him long term. And I don't think the the upgrade from Karche to Yamamoto is necessarily worth it.
1: Right. But do you see Right, but okay, I get what you're saying, right? Like, and I totally understand that, but here's the problem. What is then the long-term lineup look like? Because this is everybody healthy. You don't have enough spots for everybody. Jared McCann is on your fourth line right now. Like, what's what's his
0: long-term? I think, you know, ultimately long-term, I think we're looking at maybe Tanev going down to toward more of a fourth-line role, and that, that kind of frees up a spot for McCann. I and mean, we'll see how they distribute the minutes, but, like, looking at this... I see it almost as, like, Burakovsky, Karche, McCann. I I look at that as, like, the third line. You know, in reality, look, it's, like, Gord... You know, it's the Gord line, then the Beniers line, and then this this Burakovsky, Karche, McCann line, and then the Wenberg line almost as, like, the fourth. I think you can still give McCann... And also, McCann never gets super huge minutes. Like, even back to last season and this year, he doesn't. So I I don't think that's going to be a huge issue.
1: Yeah, it's just... it's, It's one of those, like, I... McCann is one of the kind of the lost boys on this lineup, right? Because his spot does you know, it, it always seemed like he would be on that Beneers line, but you can't break up that Beneers line right now. And I don't mm-hmm. see that really changing anytime soon, just given how well Tatar is playing with Eberle and Beneers, kind of getting both of those guys to kind of finally wake up. We know what McCann looks like on Wenberg's wing. And it's okay, right? Like, it's but it's more so just because McCann does his thing wherever he is. I'm just starting to think long term. Maybe this is better for the state of the roster stuff later. But what is the long term place for Jared McCann? Because I I don't know where he's supposed to be if he's going to stay on the wing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, next season things are going to look very different, and we'll of course talk about that. Um, But but for this season, I think like you basically kind of throw him wherever you need help, and maybe you can always assume kind of one forward injury just because, you know, they're not going to stay fully healthy forever. We've certainly learned that throughout this season and, and, you know, he can kind of go up, but I mean, lo- long-term, I-, I wonder as McCann, Wenberg and Schwartz been a thing. Uh, Well, Is Tanev like... would be the guy to send down. Yes. Like that's, yes. that's the guy.
1: Yeah. It was very briefly earlier, right? Like when they did the first shakeup of McCann off the first line, right?
0: Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, look at this here to see where, how many minutes if they've gotten yeah. So it's... It wouldn't be McCann, a lot of minutes, Wienberg, though. and Schwartz. Yeah, it's not a lot of minutes. Yeah. So it they, they hasn't really played together much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I'm i just saying, you also got Jared McCann on a seven-game goalless streak, too, which is his longest of the season as well. And so, I you know, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to figure things out there. And like I said, Ty Cartier becomes your weakest center option down the middle, right? Like... That's, yeah, that's that's, that's true. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. I mean, heck, if you're looking toward the end of the season, if you're gearing up for a playoff run or whatever, you could throw Shade right in that spot also and just think about that line.
1: <laughs> oh, I want that now. Jeez, <laughs> come on, just do it. Um, Yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting to see kind of how things go. And, and I'm sure, again, just like what we were talking about with Riker Evans joining the D, it's going to be based on how they play, right? Ty Cartier has a bad game or two in a row. I got to imagine things will get shaken up. Right, Like that's just the way the the roster is right now. So we'll see, but it's going to definitely be interesting to see uh, when James Schwartz does come back. The other big news from this week, RJ, was Oliver Bjorkstrand becoming an all-star, right? The NHL announced all 32 uh, all-star players from each team. Oliver Bjorkstrand is... The Kraken All-Star, there's the chance to vote more in, everybody. You can go and make sure you vote for guys like Vince Dunn, Joey Decord, all them, to get into the All-Star game. But Oliver Bjorkstrand is the one that we know is going, and we know he's going, RJ, because he canceled his Airbnb in San Diego. Good for him.
0: Yep. Yep. That's confirmed. I mean, I, I love the story around like the announcement and everything. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen it already, which I'm sure is probably very few of you if you're listening to this podcast. So when Oliver Bjorkstrand was uh, named the Kraken's All-Star, the Kraken posted a video of him talking with Dave Haxtell and Haxtell informing him uh, that he would have to cancel his, uh, his vacation plans over the all-star break he was supposed to go to san diego originally get some sun and haxtell's like well you can you cancel those plans and Yorkshire's like yeah i guess he's like because well you're gonna have to take a trip to toronto and and the way haxtell said it too made it sounded like he was getting traded to the leaves i mean that's that's kind of what it sounded like and um, and you can he, tell that yeah. that's
1: how bjorkstrand took it too
0: <laughs> Right, looking at his reaction, and even when it he was told that he was going as an all-star, uh, he didn't seem the most thrilled about it. I think he was still kind of processing everything, yes. uh, but it made for a pretty funny video, and of course, Bjorkstrand, um, you know, was was made aware of that. You know, he, he heard everybody, and then he had a fantastic instagram post the Mm -hmm. next day um with the caption attention everyone i got a very important news announcement i don't always have the best reactions ask my wife but i couldn't be more honored to be selected i don't don't know about you i certainly felt that i don't always have the best reactions to things my girlfriend would know very well um so that was great. And it was a picture of him reacting, but he has like photoshopped a smiling face over his yes. right, over his face in the video and then post the screenshot of his Airbnb being canceled. So um, congrats to Oliver Bjorkstrand. That's all to say congrats to yes. Bjorkstrand. Such the perfect reaction. That's so him. Mm-hmm. Like, if, you know, if you talk to him in the room, I know you were chatting with him after the Winter Classic yep. like that, that is just so him.
1: Oh, definitely. Because even like with the Winter Classic stuff, it was a little subdued, right? Of all the guys that we talked to, he was the most just like, yeah, it's cool. Like, whoa, it's my first time. Yeah, nice. It's nice. It's cool. Yeah, I'm excited. And it's just like, okay. Yeah, okay. As, as other guys are like gushing, they like telling you everything about it. And he's just like, yeah, it's exciting. Um, So I, I definitely understand that from him. And yeah, look, he totally deserves to be there, right? He's second on the team in points, second on the team in goals. He's been playing fantastic. He was a big part of them being able to win the games that they were able to win earlier this season, RJ. Because he out- through a lot of that early portion of the season, that first month, month and a half he was really the only forward capable of doing much, right? Like he was the only guy kind of consistently scoring and they were moving him up and down the lineup. He was on three different lines in the first month and a half of the season just because they were trying to spread that wealth that he was bringing. He was the only player with any consistency. And so for him to be rewarded for having that with this all-star bid, I'm very, very excited for him. I I think it is very, very well-deserved. I know a lot of people are like, why wasn't it Vince Dunn? You know, We talked about this on the Red Glare podcast, RJ, from a league-wide perspective. Very much looks like they're not, they weren't taking defensemen. One defenseman per conference. That was all that was taken so far. Um, So I think that had, had something to do with it. But I think Bjorkstrand absolutely deserved to have this honor as well.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And yeah, the Vince Dunn snub talk, I, I get it, but yeah, for whatever reason, they're not picking defensemen. He couldn't figure out why. But uh yeah, if you're gonna have one defenseman per conference, no, I don't think Vince Dunn is the best defenseman in the Western conference. So I guess by that lofty standard, you know, I guess he doesn't quite uh you know reach that level. But you know, Dorkstrand absolutely deserved like he was the line fixer for you know for yep. as, as you mentioned, this like early part of the season he fixed all the lines um and still leading point score i mean just you look at the counting stats top yeah. point score among the forwards yeah you know, just only trailing vince dunn so can't argue with that happy for him too because it's his first all-star game and i think you know the first all-star game kind of means more to players than, than if you you know have four or five or so mm-hmm. it's kind of the same song and dance right yeah. and if you haven't experienced it before it can be really cool I think it can get repetitive probably for players, but uh, you know, it feel good for, for Bjorkstrom that he gets this first.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I can't wait to watch him. And again, we can, we can help Vince Dunn or Joey Decord or some other members of the crack and get to the all-star game. Uh, you could go to the NHL's website and they have stuff there um, that can kind of take you to the fan vote to help shape the rest of the all-star game squads. I know Joey Decord is part of that short list for goaltenders that can join uh, the Western conference team. So, um, you can all go and and look, I, I wish I could help you and tell you that it was an easy process to vote, but it's not. This website is a mess. <laughs> the The voting website is a mess as we discovered also live during the red glare last time. It's, it's a struggle to, to vote. But once you kind of figure it out, just know that there's like a search bar on the kind of the right side and you can search for the players by name or, or sort by team there. Then, uh, then you can kind of make things happen. Um, uh, So there is that wonderful news for the Kraken and Oliver Bjorkstrand. All right. Now, RJ, speaking of Joey Decord, potential All-Star on the short list of goaltenders for the Western Conference All-Stars, RJ. Is there a goalie controversy in Seattle? Because, boy, it sounds like everybody sure thinks there is. I know we talked about this a little bit last week. We've talked about it on all the subsequent post games as well. Um, What do you think the current, like, state of the goaltending situation tandem pairing is for the Kraken, given how well Joey Decord has been playing.
0: I think right now they're a goalie tandem without a second goalie. They're waiting for the second goalie to return. And they're very lucky scheduling wise that they have been able to make it. So they only really need one goalie. I mean, Joey Decord started 11 out of the last 12. He's played out of his mind. uh, And, thankfully the way the schedule you know, shakes out, you only needed Chris Drieger once. And, and Drieger stepped up. I mean, yeah. he was fantastic. But I, I think ultimately, look, I think it comes down to how NHL goalie tandems work. And I think that takes away a lot of you know goalie controversies that would ordinarily exist around the league. I think in the modern NHL, with what we know about Players' bodies, and that you know, goalie can't be playing 77, 78 games like you used to see some goalies do. Uh, you're gonna need two goalies who can play a lot of games for you. And I think that's what the Kraken have when Philip Grubauer is healthy. I think it ultimately will go back to that. But Joey DeCord, he's the starter, he's gonna get most games as long as he's playing like this. Dave Haxtell, I mean, we've mentioned this on past podcasts, we've mentioned it on the deep dive, but. Haxall is going to play the goalie who's playing better. And right now, that's certainly Joey Decord. And so I don't think that's even really controversial at this point. I mean, he is just clearly playing some of the best goaltending that the Kraken have ever had. And they're going to continue to ride him as long as that's the case. But when Grubauer does come back, you're still going to need him to play a fair amount of games because that's, that's just how it works players bodies can't hold up to playing every single game we'll talk about it a little bit later as far as the schedule and how long they can afford to have joey just starting all these games which i think is actually a surprisingly long time (laughs) given their schedule luck but ultimately you're going to need grubauer to come back and and play some games and be a factor for you in in the way that if grubauer was doing this you'd need decor to be a factor for you down the stretch I mean, what what do you think, Dylan? I haven't left a whole lot for you, but are you in agreement with that? I mean,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. Look, at the end of the day, sports, as I've always said, is a results driven business, right? Like we just talked about this. We think competition between teammates is a good thing. It brings out the best, right? You're going to end up with the best performance from somebody if you do that. Right now, Joey Decord is turning in the best performance that really any Kraken goaltender has ever. Had uh, like just to be just to be real, um but it's also because Philip Grubauer is not there, right? We don't know what Grubauer would be would be doing um right now, and it's just one of those things. Of I get it; it's nice to be able to say this guy is the starter and just have that be the thing. But especially when it comes to goaltenders, it's never that easy, right? At, all goaltenders over the course of a season go through hot stretches, they go through cold stretches. That's just the way it is. And you you want to be in a place where when your goaltender's going through a cold stretch, you can hand the reins over to the other goaltender and it doesn't become a controversy right? Because it isn't one, right? Internally within the team, it's not a controversy. Everybody understands that that's the way it goes, right? That's the way it goes with all players. Like we just talked about, right? Justin Schultz has a bad game. Riker Evans came in, seized that opportunity until he had a bad game. Then Justin Schultz came back and started playing well. Like that's just the way sports goes. They understand that it's, you know, it's a competition for limited spots and, and that's just what it is. And so I think it's one of those, Joey's going to be the guy until he isn't. And then it'll be Grubauer or Drieger until they aren't. And then it's just going to move on to the next guy. And that's just the way the situation is going to go. I know it's just like with the captain thing, right? We can make a lot of it like, oh, this guy's the starting goaltender, right? Like it does, it has cachet, that saying. But I think as the NHL more so moves towards these tandems, you look at like what Boston's doing, RJ, these last couple of years, right? Where it's really just, it's two guys. And, and maybe you have the 1A, 1B type thing. It's like running backs in the NFL. Any of these positions where it's tough on bodies, guys can get streaky. You're going to start running into this more and more where it's not so much one guy and then his backup. It's just two guys. And I think that's where the Kraken are. Really, right now, it's three guys. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you, you need another spare you, know, you have to take into account injuries, right? That, that can happen. And certainly in a position like I, I love the running back comparison, because I think that's kind of what goaltending is, is turning into is the running back position for any football fans out there that know you see a lot more running back my committee now. And, um, you know, as, as a result, you also see, you know, the, the results in the contracts there. And so if you give yeah. a big contract out to one guy, it can be difficult. Um, and so that's kind of the, the thing that's going to be hanging over Grubauer's head, unfortunately, for for the remainder of this contract. Um, But I just think you have to adjust to the reality of the way the position is going. And so I, I don't, it's only a controversy really, if the guys, you know, have some animosity toward each other and you don't have that supportive environment. But I mean, Gosh, by now, we've certainly learned uh, the yes. Kraken have that supportive environment. I mean, you, you look no further than the way that Drieger and, and Decord celebrate after games and how happy they are for each other. And, you know, Grubauer is a part of that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, same thing with, with Schultz and Evans, like when Schultz came back in the lineup and, you know, everyone was so happy for him. Like, mm-hmm. it's about maintaining the right kind of environment, in the locker room. So there can be no controversy because everyone yep. supports each other. And I think that's kind of where we're at. So as far as is Joey the starter? Right now, absolutely, it's his net. But I think the the title of starter doesn't mean as much as it used to, uh, and it's not all that important. But Dylan, I wanted to ask you about a title that I think is much more important than starting goalie, uh, one that could maybe be a little more controversial. I think there's a little more competition, Mm -hmm. actually, for Joey Decord in this. Uh, Is Joey Decord the most fun goalie in the NHL right Uh, now?
1: Yeah. Right Uh, here, right now? Yeah. I hate that you're putting me in a spot where I have to say no.
0: Hey, that's that's fine. That's fine. There's a lot of competition out there, Dylan. I don't think anyone would fault you. There are a lot of great goalies, a lot of really fun goalies out there. This right. is a whole league here. Yeah, I, I'm making the bar very high. So go ahead, explain explain why not.
1: Uh, just because nobody's going to take that over as long as Marc Andre Fleury is playing in the NHL, right? So ask me again in a year, maybe, and and my answer <laughs> could be different. But I'm sorry, Marc Andre Fleury is the most fun goaltender now. Like, I guess I also have to. To ask, right, do you mean like off ice, strictly on ice while they're playing the position? Because then Joey is certainly one of the more fun goaltenders, if not the most fun, just given how much he goes out there and he plays the puck, right? The the style in which he plays, the fact that, you know, we've talked about this in the past, right? Once he goes down... He's he's very limited in his movements at that point, but what that's led to has been some really fun and spectacular, you know, big saves when he's kind of on his belly and that's a lot of fun to watch. That's not something you see too much in today's NHL, but you look at like, you know, he had one of those in the Winter Classic. He had one of those against Ottawa, those big-time glove saves coming across where he's just kind of flopping around and it looks it looks a lot of fun, RJ, I'm not going to lie. But if you're going to incorporate everything else in you know, Joey, I've said it before, he's a wonderful human being, fantastic person. He is a fun guy to talk to, but, you know, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury's going out there and playing practices with a cane after they, they punk him <laughs> for being too old, right? Like, it's hard to top that.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, I was going to make the argument for for Joey, and I was going to really lead with the on-ice stuff, right, with, yeah. the, with the during a game, because I, I think he's definitely the most fun goalie to watch during games in the NHL mm-hmm. right now, uh, just because there's there's no goalie that brings the same level of, you know, you have the acrobatic saves, you kind of have the, you know, the adventures playing the puck, yep. but the, the puck playing, that's what makes the difference for me is that no goalie, I think right now plays the puck as much as Joey to Nope. And that's exciting. It's fun to watch. Uh, you never know what exactly you're going to see the backhand flip. I can't get over that, Um, you know, from when they're killing Mm -hmm. a penalty there in that Ottawa game and the puck kind of squirts out to him and just on his backhand, he gets the clear himself. It's, it's the kind of thing where it's fun, but it's also really effective because all it takes is a couple times where something like that goes wrong. And that can really put a damper on a goalie and kind of make him try things less. That hasn't really happened for Joey yet. And, And I love just seeing him kind of play freewheeling like that with the puck. The other thing too, especially as they've been on this, this run, this winning streak, there is no goalie in the league where the threat of a goal is so great. Yes. Because it's about the skill, which he Mm -hmm. undoubtedly has. And not every goalie has the skill to like consistently hit those empty nets. I mean, NHL goalies are really good. They can hit them, Mm -hmm. you know, fairly often, but more than that, it's the will. It's the will to try and really go for it and be aggressive in those moments. And, A lot of goalies, even if they have the will to do it, even if they're kind of looking, even if they want to shoot, they won't be as open about it as Joey is. Like, you know, I I think after the Winter Classic where Joey just kind of even cut off that report, "Yes, yes, yes, I was thinking about it. I was trying to shoot for the empty net. And letting everyone know that, know that you're in that mindset, just really adds to the fun. I mean, you saw it in the Ottawa game. Like, if you were in the building, that was the talk around. Everybody in the press box, the crowd could feel it. Everybody knew You're up by two goals. The other team pulls the goalie and there's this whole other super special event that you're watching out for. And that's every single game where you have a lead, you know, a one or two goal lead coming down the stretch that provides so much fun that you just don't get from. I think any other goalie in the league, there is no other goalie in the NHL where their team's up by a couple goals. The other team pulls the goalie. And you can be so sure that that's going through their mind, that they're going to try it. That just adds so much.
1: Yeah. I think to summarize what you're trying to say, RJ, is there's no other goaltender in the NHL where it feels like a win and not an if on them scoring a goal, right? Because that's what it feels like watching Joey Decord right now, is that it's just a matter of win. It's not a matter of if he's going to get one, right?
0: Yeah. I, I you've, you've done what you do so often, I think, is take me like, you know, rambling for about a minute and summarize it, putting it into one sentence. So thank you, Dylan. Yeah, I mean, really, it feels like it's only a matter of time. Yep. It feels like Joey Discord is going to score a goal this season, just a matter of when. And I almost hate they're going out on the road for such a long road trip because I feel like it could happen during this road trip, but I wouldn't be in the building to see it. Um, but that's so fun. But also, I think you take that on the ice, I think on the ice for sure during games. And then off the ice too it's not like he's really lacking in that category yes he's mm-hmm. not mark andre Fleury. i will give you that nobody's mark andre Fleury, but like he is so media friendly i mean we've yes. we've talked to him after because he's playing so well we get him yep. like after every single game at this point and he, he just likes talking to us. It seems Mm -hmm. like, you know, a lot of players will tolerate talking to the media. They'll be very good about it. I mean, he'll kind of go out of his way even after his availability is over to just like chat with us and tell us stories. And it's always really good stuff. He's got a great personality. He's funny, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and he's kind of aware of the situation that he's in. So I think really he's, he's got the whole package as far as just being a really fun goalie in the NHL. And yes, I know it's hard to beat flower, but if you're waiting the on-ice stuff, I think he's got a really good claim to it.
1: Yeah, no, he certainly does. He certainly does. Like I said, if you're looking strictly on-ice, I think you give it to him. I I think, you know, off-ice, I'm with you. Nobody's more approachable in a locker room than Joey Decord, right? And that, that goes back to his time with the Firebirds and everything that went on there. He's a very honest person, which is very much appreciated from a media standpoint, but I think also from a fan standpoint, right? Like, you know, whenever you do have a quote come out from him like that is him right he's not putting on a face for the media ever like you can tell that he is being sincere with everything he says all of that stuff like i said he could be the best person that is the nhl goaltender and stuff but i i don't know maybe it's because i grew up watching him and uh, so i gotta (laughs) give it to flower but i i just think flower uh, overall kind of has to take it given all the shenanigans this year especially right? Yeah. There's
0: been uh, a lot this year. I mean, this is timed kind of poorly too, for my argument anyway, where you have that play where he's diving back to protect the empty net as he was going to get pulled the wild, go back and score to tie the game. Like, yeah, flurry has brought a lot of fun this year. So, I mean, I have a hard time arguing against him. So, but I'm curious what everyone else thinks too. Like, like, let us know in the comments too, is Dylan just biased from his time as a penguins fan? You know, is, is there something to what I'm saying or, you know, are there some other goalies that we're, you know that we're ignoring here, because yes. uh, there's a whole wide league of goalies. I mean, you go the Swayman-Allmark tandem, and how fun they are. There's a lot of goalie fun happening in the NHL, but Joey's certainly a part of it.
1: Oh, definitely, and he's he's up there towards the top. Now, one last thing on the goalie stuff, and with Joey in particular, before we move on, and that's what you were saying about looking ahead at the schedule and and talking about the fact that he might be able to just play every game. And I'm and I'm thinking, RJ, that doesn't line up with you know everything else we were talking about how you need tandems and the, the wear and tear on a
0: body. So what do you, what do you mean by that? Right. So, I mean, it certainly doesn't line up with even my philosophy. I think you have to be very cautious about overplaying a goalie. We saw it with Martin Jones last year. He played a lot of games. I think he played started 14 out of 15 games once Grubauer went down and he played fantastic in that stretch, but you know what? I think we can look back at it with hindsight and say he got burned out. Definitely. You know, we're seeing what happens in in Toronto actually now with him not being burned out. He comes in for a limited stretch, second star of the week. Good for Martin Jones. But you look at the schedule. I think the Kraken have gotten incredible luck with this schedule since Joey has come in, Uh, the timing of it, because you don't want a goalie playing every other night and, and for too long. And that can get, have a wear on guys, but you have the, the the holiday break from the 23rd to the 27th so you already got a few days off there you have Drieger playing on the other side of it Joey had six ga- days off in between games already leading up to the Philly game and the Winter Classic and you look at it going forward I mean as we're talking right now the Kraken are in the middle of a stretch where they have four days off in between games mm-hmm. that's like I mean that's basically like letting the backup or another goalie go and take a game or two in the middle of the Ottawa and Buffalo games. It's just, nobody's playing. So that works fine. I think he can start against Buffalo. No problem. Cause it's mm-hmm. been a lot of it, four days off. Then you have a couple games, you know, Washington, Columbus, and it's every other day, three games, I think is not that much. And then you have the back-to-back against Pittsburgh and New York. This is the one situation I think where you need another goalie to come in whether Grubauer is okay by then, or whether that's Chris Drieger. I, I think, you know, just, Just pick one, pick one of those two games. Yeah, Yeah, it's a back-to-back. Yeah. But after that, so then, you know, let's assume Decord's playing on the 15th. Two days off then, you know, before Edmonton, and that's a big game. I think you want him playing that one. Mm -hmm. But then you don't have the every other day thing. You have the 19th and 20th off, Toronto on the 21st. Okay, that's fine. 22nd and 23rd off. And then you're back here for Chicago on the 24th. Then you're back at home too, with days off, like, I think they could really run this until the end of January, really.
1: Yeah. I mean, it. well, just to go back to kind of how we started off this whole conversation, right? It'll go as long as he forces the issue, right? Yeah. Like, it, yeah, I'm with you. Like, that schedule does make it work. Like, you can afford to do that. You can ride the hot hand. And if that's going to be Joey through that whole stretch, then it'll be Joey through that whole stretch. It's really just going to come down to him at this point.
0: Right. And And the thing is, too, at the end of January, you've got... The All-Star, the all-star break Spring. coming up. yeah. So if, you know, I, I I wouldn't want to do it any longer than, you know, maybe January 30th, the end of January at San Jose. But then if that's all you go, then you have, what, 10 days off? Mm-hmm. Before before yeah. Philly, you know, your next game too. And then it all kind of, the clock starts over again. So they could ride Joey Decord for a surprisingly long time, which I think is, is probably good because it means you don't have to rush Grubauer back. Yeah. And you don't have to really like work him in too strongly or or you don't have to necessarily rely on Chris Drieger for too many big games uh, in the meantime. But I like this schedule is just setting up to be Joey's net for a while.
1: Yeah. And this all feels crazy, too, considering Chris Drieger has played one game and in that one game he had a 974 save percentage and
0: only left right, it's not player. a problem if you need to turn to him, apparently.
1: No, it's not. So it's one of those things like I'm I am very much, especially given the nature of Grubauer's injury, playing that long term. Right. He came back. He got it hurt again. Like it's one of those things that can really linger with a goaltender. I think you do have to be extra, extra careful there. Um, I just I, I just want to throw it out there. Like we keep acting like Drieger doesn't exist and he hasn't played well. It's a limited sample size, but he played very, very well in that game. So just want to just want to throw that out there that if Grubauer, if you do, if you can still be cautious with Grubauer, given that Chris Drieger is not the worst third option to turn to in the NHL. All right. Uh, From that now to kind of the rest of the roster, RJ, and how it's shaking up Uh, Willie Nylander. I mean, he was somebody that we knew it was going to be tough. He was going to be kind of the jewel of this, you know, free agent class upcoming this year. Taken off the board, Toronto re-signs him. Eight-year deal, $11.5 million per, that's the cap hit for him. Um, lots of talk on the Discord, obviously, about this. What, you know, Could the Kraken have afforded to, to pay somebody that kind of contract, all of that sort of thing, and whether or not it lines up with what the Kraken want to do. I know you talk about this a lot on the Armchair GMs, but just for the people who aren't uh, necessarily patrons, I thought it would be good to talk with you know just everybody and kind of get some of this stuff out there. You and I are both of the opinion that this is the off season to try to make a splash if you're the Kraken. You're going to have cap space. You got contracts like Eberly's mm-hmm. five and five point five coming off. You've got um, uh, Alexander Wenberg's four and a half coming off the books. You got Justin Schultz's three million coming off the books. Going to need to extend guys like Tolvenin and Matty Baneers. Like that, that is going to need to happen. But at the same time, RJ, the Kraken with the cap going up four and a half million dollars, they're going to have space they're gonna have some stuff to work with this offseason and it feels like timing wise now is the time to do something
0: right and i played with these numbers a little bit on the armchair gm chat as you mentioned and we're gonna do that again later this month too and kind of see some options the kraken have but it's it's been clear to me for a little while that the kraken have one big addition they can make and the, the more time that goes on, the more that we're seeing this roster and how it's built, I, I think we're starting to see the urgency that it really needs to be made right away. It needs to be made this offseason. And uh, you never want to get boxed into having to make a deal. You know, just you want to kind of let the, the players come to you, the situations come to you. But looking at this roster construction, especially with Guys like Shane Wright and Riker Evans, I think we're seeing just about best case scenarios on them development wise. I mean, I'll defer to you on that kind of stuff because you're the best prospect guy. But given that Shane Wright looks so good in the AHL, given that Riker Evans looks like he's ready right now, you have a valuable window here while those guys are on entry level contracts to be competitive and take advantage of. What that gives you, you can have Shane Wright as a second line center next season, a legit good second line center Mm -hmm. playing on an entry level contract. And that's going to free up some salary cap space elsewhere, running the numbers, the Kraken, I think, are going to have about basically 11 and a half million in cap space, basically Mm -hmm. one Nylander contracts worth that they can add this offseason without having to move anything else around. Without having to get rid of anyone, without having to subtract aside from the guys that we already know are on expiring contracts. And that begs the question, okay, you know, what do you do with that? And, and how urgent is it that you add it right away? And, and I know, Dylan, you probably agree here that it, something needs to be done pretty soon. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I think now is the time because of, like you said, you don't want to to waste all those ELC years, right? If Shane Wright's going to come in and be a good second-line center for you and he's going to cost you less than a million bucks or maybe with performance bonuses a little over a million dollars against the cap— That is such a, that's like such an unbelievable, fortunate thing to have, right? Like that's something that that you really don't want to waste. Again, if you're getting that high level production, that power play quarterback from a Riker Evans at under 900,000 against the cap, like that is something you need to take advantage of if you are a team in today's NHL. Like there's just no way around that. You have to try to take advantage of being, of getting contributions from guys on ELCs, it's just the way it is. I know people are worried about sacrificing depth. Look, the Kraken almost have too much depth that it's become a problem. We talked about that earlier, right? You've got Jared McCann on a fourth line. You have no idea how to give <laughs> minutes to the guy, right? Like, So I, I don't know that you totally have to worry about that. I think more so the worry has to be this Kraken team has had depth all year. They're 28th in the league in goal scoring, right? Depth is a good thing to have. It doesn't always equal you know, performance. Sometimes it is worth having a guy like a Willie Nylander who costs 11 and a half million dollars, but he's going to put up a, you know, a point to two points every single night for your team. He's going to be a consistent driver of offense that you can count on on games when other guys maybe just don't have it that night, right? There is something to be said for star players like that. You go back and you look at the last, I mean, I went all the way back, RJ, to the lockout, the 05 lockout, looking at every Stanley Cup winning team. And I would argue only that Carolina team that won post-lockout didn't have a true star player on it. And that's only because that was really Eric Stahl's like first year. And he put up like 100 and something points in the regular season and was great in the playoffs. So you could argue that he was their star player. But every single roster has star players. They have guys making a lot of money up at the top end of, the, you know, of, of around 10% of the cap, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, St. Louis is the only other one that you can kind of argue didn't really have the star. They just had an insanely hot goaltender and
0: right they they didn't look you know they were last place in january they that that's kind of the anomaly that's the outlier there
1: yeah exactly all right so i'll give you one maybe two of the last what 15 or 20 cup champs like it's ridiculous so you do need star players in this league you can't just have depth you need to have depth below those star players but you need the star players and as it looks like maddie bennears is is you know kind of we always thought he was going to be, which is more of a two way guy rather than just a pure driver of offense. Given that Shane Wright, who can be more of a pure driver of offense is going to be young. He's going to be playing a first full season in the NHL. I think you need to go out there and find somebody who can join Jared McCann as as you know a guy who can really produce and McCann can produce goals we've seen you know the point production not always be there i think you need somebody who can also help the guys around them the way say a Willie Nylander can with the point production uh, a little bit beyond what Jared McCann can just do on his own so um I, I just think it's one of those things that that every every team that wins has one of those guys uh you've got the cap space for it you've got the the good fortune of having good players on elc's the The time is now. You got to strike while that iron's hot because you have no idea how long you're gonna have to wait for that next opportunity. And then RJ, on the flip side, you know, talk about the young guys that are cheap. You look at the rest of the roster. I'm looking at Jamie Alexiak at 31, Adam Larson at 31, Brian Dumoulin at 32, Yanni Gord um at uh, 32, Brandon Tanev at 32. Those guys aren't getting very, you know, any younger, right? Like if you want to try to win with them as your depth, as affordable depth, especially on the blue line there, you, you got to kind of get going on that too, right? You don't want them to start stretching it even further and then their contracts are up and you've got to try to find ways of replacing those guys. And I, I'm telling you right now, especially on the blue line, you're not going to find replacements for a guy like Adam Larson or a Jamie Alexiak for that price, Right out on the open market or, or and trying to do it internally is going to be tough, too. So it's one of those things where the Kraken have a really good setup right now. I just think they need an, an aggressive offseason, RJ, to kind of make it happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially you look at the blue line and they were able to do, Ron Francis did something great in in the expansion draft, you know, with like Adam Larson at 4 million, you know, Jamie Lexiak at 4.6, getting those bargains of contracts. And I know the talking points around the expansion draft and, and the first season, especially when it started to not go very well, was, well, this is a young team. You know, we've kind of built a young team. It's got to develop. I don't think that was entirely accurate. You look at a lot of the guys they brought in and and they were kind of in their prime or maybe even a little bit past statistically what a player's prime should be. And we're starting to see that with, you know, Larson, Alexiak, all the guys you mentioned, you know, that are, that are over 30. And I think it really highlights that the Kraken kind of have two separate cores of players. Mm-hmm. Um, you are two separate windows, I guess you could say the window with the guys from the expansion draft that, that we all know and love, you know, whether it's like the Alexiak Larson, you know, Everly Gore, those guys. And then you have the window with the draft picks guys, the Kraken who have drafted and developed themselves. Those guys aren't here yet. Only mm-hmm. a couple of them, you know, Maddie Bennear, Shane, right. The very, very high end. Um, but you have the first window where you have these these supporting pieces, like again, Brandon Tanev, another good example of those guys um, that you can try and win with right now. And then you have the second window with guys coming in for depth, like eventually, you know, Yanni Newman or, you know, Carson Rykoff, all these guys that they drafted over the last couple of years. And they're still a few years away. I mean, Dylan, on your prospect chats, you've, you've kind of given a timeline in your rankings for each of these guys when we expect to see them in the NHL. And, and the real answer is not yet. Only a few of these guys can supplement things right now. And so you're in a position now where going into next offseason, you can bring in a player that works for the first window and can also spread a little bit into the second window that can kind of bridge that gap uh, where you're going to have guys that come in that can replace those depth players and do it cheaply while this contract runs, you know, a very expensive contract. Again, I think Nylander would have been like the perfect option for this, you know, eight times 11.5 at his age, it just works perfectly. But if you can get somebody that fits in that window, it can kind of help you really for, for both windows that you have.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and so it's one of those things, you know, we're we're just going to have to wait and see, but I would also say, look, Ron Francis has shown he can go out and find depth forwards, right? Mm -hmm. Like like you look at the moves to bring in a Tolvanen off of a wa- off waivers, the make make a move for um Tomas Tatar, right, or to go out there and take advantage of the situation around Kaylor Yamamoto, right, bring those guys in, uh, bring in a Devin Shore, right, bring in a Belmar, like Ron Francis has shown really through both last off and then this the uh, the off season prior. He can do that, right? It's it's a lot easier to fill in those gaps offensively at forward. You can find guys on league minimum deals or at a million bucks. You go back to even before that, right, with some of the pseudo-expansion guys, Daniel Sprong, you bring him in, right, as a throw-in in a trade. You got guys like Morgan Geeky, right, uh, Ryan Donato, right, taking a flyer on him, somebody who seemed to be on his way out of the NHL. And so you can find depth guys like that to fill out your bottom six, at very reasonable rates, right? You know, talking max of a million and a half per, right? And so I think I think that's one of those things where, yes, the depth won't be the same players, just like this year isn't the same players as last year when it comes to that depth at forward. But he's shown us that, that's not something you totally have to worry about. You can always find the depth. If you understand how your team plays, if you have a strong front office around you of you know pro-level scouts, of analytics people, of all that kind of stuff, you can find those diamonds in the rough because there's a lot of them, and you can make things work. And then you can also slowly start supplementing with your young players on ELCs, whether it's a Furcus, a Newman, a Rykov, a Chalet, whatever it is, over the next couple years, you'll be able to do that as well. The blue line's a lot tougher, and that's why that's where I was spending most of my focus, because you can't do that on a blue line. You certainly can't do that for three guys on a blue line, right? And so that's one where I think the blue line kind of dictates that if you want to try to win anything in the short term, you've got to go for it now. I mean, RJ, it's almost one of those where if the Kraken were in a better spot standings-wise, I'd be saying they need to be aggressive at the trade deadline.
0: Yeah. I, and I think yeah, they're within that first window where you kind of have to go for it, given where the blue line's at. Again, Alexiak, Larson, Schultz, you know, those replacements, you look at the D prospect pool. And I mean, you, you would know this better than I would. Yes, you have Riker Evans, who's going to step in and, and be yeah. a regular. We, we know that right now. But who else is there? There it's going to come yeah. in and take like a top four spot. Yeah. There is nobody.
1: There is nobody. You like know? that's the. Like absolute... I think Gottfried
0: and projects is like a good, you know, third pairing defenseman. He could be solid, but not yep. yet. I, I mean, who else do they have?
1: Yeah. I <laughs> mean, Ty, Ty Nelson's like their next top blue line prospect. But again, he like maxes out at top four, right? He has these limitations. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's great. He can, you know, run a second unit power play for your team, all that kind of stuff. But he's not going to be somebody that you can throw out there first unit penalty kill. Right. Like like a Lars or an Alexiak. He's not going to be that guy. He's not going to be a guy who can, you know, if you need him to chew up 25 minutes a night. Like he's just not that's not him. And and this has been a thing uh, we've talked about on the prospect live chats a lot. Um, Kraken don't have a lot of depth defensively in their prospect pool like it it's kind of Riker evans and that's it you know it's a it's several tiers then these you got to go before you hit more guys and so that's something that they're going to have to address long term as well but yeah those depth signings um that turn out to be good players on defense are are few and far between for teams so you got to take advantage of it while you have it and the kraken are just in this amazingly fortunate position where they have seven defensemen equaling about 25 and a half million dollars in cap space and they're all playable.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, this is one of the best looking blue line just from a you know bang for your buck standpoint in the NHL. And and you gotta take advantage of that while you have it because it's not yep. gonna last forever. And, and you know, that's yeah. what we're saying. yeah you got two years left on this max. And so basically once the Larson contract runs out, it's gonna look very different.
1: Exactly. So it's it's one of those things that um I think the Kraken got to got to start getting aggressive again. I I just think if they hadn't if they hadn't dug such a big hole RJ. I think you could argue this this trade deadline, but I I just don't think they're there.
0: Right, cuz I mean you could look for the The aggressive move to make, I guess, would look for one of these other guys whose contract is expiring, whether it's like yeah. a Lindholm or a, you know a Reinhardt or someone like that, and you could get him at the deadline, get him for another playoff run as well, and then try and convince him to stay, you know, if if you could do that, or maybe have some conditional picks. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're in a good enough position in the standings, like you said, to really go and do that and give up the assets to. But still, they're going to be in a great position in the off season, and and Ron Francis is going to get to go big big game hunting for probably the first time. In his career as a GM, he's not used to doing this. And so I'm interested to see how he adjusts to do something that's really, I think, not in his nature.
1: Yeah, well, we saw him get aggressive, not this past offseason, but the offseason prior, right? And it was, he went out and he did sign some some bigger free agents, right? He brought in a Justin Schultz, who was a bigger name, not necessarily a bigger contract, signs Andre Burakovsky to his contract, goes out, makes the trade for Oliver Bjorkstrand, right? And look at the leap that that team was able to take from year one to year two, um, so, you know, again, it's one of those things that he's, he's shown that he can do it when given the opportunity. This is going to be, though, the most kind of pivotal off season, And it's, you know, a, a lot's going to come riding on it because it's also one of those things of if you get it wrong or if you're not able to make it happen, that window ca- closes fast can close really yeah, fast. Yeah, it
0: sneaks up on you. And teams have, have learned this, you know, over their time where they, you know, think okay, well, we can make a move next year and then all of a sudden you just don't seem like the same team because you don't have those reinforcements. We saw throughout the Kraken's downstretch this season where they were digging themselves a hole, you know, how this this foundation where you don't have a star to pull you out of a rut like that mm-hmm. kind of be built on shaky ground and and you never know when that might happen again if you don't have a star player playing for you. So you know, that's something they have to consider. I question for you, Dylan, though. I think William Nylander, we agreed, was, you know, basically could have been the perfect person to fill this yeah. hole. Like if, yeah. if the Kraken had signed him to this contract that the Leafs had just signed him to, I mean, if it's seven years, not eight, because the Kraken couldn't have done that eight. Yeah. But still you have seven times, 11 and a half. We would have been thrilled with that in the off season. Yep. How concerned should we be about that no longer being on the table? Cause I don't know that you're going to find a better option out there. Doesn't mean you can't find a good option. But like I know, for a while we wanted Sebastian Aho before he signed his extension. Yeah, and you know, one by one, these players kind of fall away. And of course, on the armchair GM chat, we can kind of get deeper into okay, who are the options that they have? You know, who could we be looking at? What do those contracts look like? But how big a deal is Neilander signing an extension, realizing that he's not an option at all for Seattle?
1: I mean, it's a big deal, but it's also one of those like I don't know realistically also how likely Seattle was to get him. Right. Because everybody yeah. was going to be offering him roughly the same money. You were going to have to really pitch him on the team, the setup, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, he if he had, if the Leafs hadn't resigned him, it was a slam dunk. He was coming to Seattle. It wasn't that situation at all. Um, I, I will say that, yes, it's one of those things of it shows you how when you have those guys, how infrequently they are made available. Right. You know, like they, they are just not. They don't hit free agency very often. They are definitely not up for trade very often, right? And so it's one of those things of when when the opportunity is there to bring somebody in, you have to be aggressive and you have to be decisive with it. And you know, Kraken weren't weren't totally in the place to be aggressive for a Jack Eichel. They weren't, you know, apparently in the spot to be aggressive for a Jacob Chikrin, right? But- well, they. They were, they were but, but in, well it's <laughs> arizona wanted a very high pick apparently they would rather yeah. that rather than multiple assets for whatever insane reason so the kraken were kind of out there but it's one of those things of it the next time one of those opportunities comes along you have to be willing to give up the significant assets it's going to take to make it happen because otherwise You could wait off-season after off-season after off-season for one of those guys to hit the market, and then you've got to compete with probably 16 or 17 other teams to convince them to come to you, and it's just one of those things of, you know, you basically got as good odds to go out and play the lottery, and... It, it's just one of those things. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those cracking fans gotta be ready for when something like that happens to either give out the big contract or give up the picks and prospects to make it happen because that's the only way to, to get it done.
0: Yeah. Or both. I mean, you know, it's, it's probably going to be yes, both with both. whoever you're bringing in. Um, and, and that's that's my big takeaway is that I think it just makes that much more likely that you're going to have to turn to the trade market, but it's yeah. not going to be, I know there's still a couple of good UFAs left. Um, but i just think the more likely outcome is the trade market you see players i mean we were just talking about eichel and Chikram. those are both guys who were traded um i think that's probably what you're going to see more likely and and you never know what what rfa a team might want to move on from there're probably guys that we're not even thinking about right now that uh, that might be available this offseason you never know but I want Francis to swing for the fences, go big game hunting and and get the biggest fish you can. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I think we're both on board with that. And again, everybody, you can uh, join RJ on the 23rd of this month. If you're a member of our Patreon and you can, you know, hear about some of those options, who they might be, the names, what those contracts might look like, what the assets to trade, make a trade might have to be that the Kraken would be given up. So you can join him on the 23rd, join us both on the 18th to watch that Edmonton game live. We can all be there to celebrate uh beating the oilers together or be there to uh help each other out if that game doesn't doesn't go as well and then on the 29th i'll be talking about those prospects as well and where they're all at maybe you know if you want i can talk about what value they would have on a trade market too to other teams i'm, I'm totally willing to talk about that kind of stuff over on patreon another huge shout out to queen Anne beer hall for sponsoring the podcast as always check out both of their awesome locations uh especially you know with big games coming up uh, for uh, for the Seattle area sports, definitely check them out. And uh, until next time, we'll see ya Hey everyone! Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at Patreon.com/slash Emerald City Hockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons: Absurdly Sane, Alex, Alvi, Andrew, Anonymous, Anthony, Beef, Ben, Brad, Brian. Burnt Krem, Cat, Kaylin, Shazzle Dazzle, Chip, Chris, Christian, Cody, Connor, Coop, Corey, DJ Singletone, Duthan, Evie 99, Eli, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Empty Net Hockey, Eric, Ethan, Evan, Fusion Mix, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Harry Legionary, Helena, Abak, Jay, Jane, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Julia, Justin, Katie,
0: Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, L Bell, Leanne, Levin, Light, Lonnie, Maeve, Mark, Max, Maya, Michelle, Nick, Nightdrop, Noah, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rachel, Ryan, Randall, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, Sia Kraken, Sean, Sean, Sergey, Sergeant Pickles, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team 114, Chris, Ty, Wendy, Where are the Slovakians at, Zame, and Zoe. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.